0: Have you been to the place where the fireweed grows? The caribou roam and the northern lights glow. Come learn from the people who call this place home. This is the 9360. Welcome to Denali 360. I am your host, Nova, and today my guest is Clay Walker, mayor of Denali Borough. Clay graduated college with his degree in geography. He came up to Denali in 1992, where he was a driver and a guide in Denali National Park. Later, he was a supervisor for the operation and served on the board of our local labor organization. And in 1998, he met the love of his life, Sarah, at the McKinley Chalets. They married on the bank of the Nanana River, built a cabin together, later a house, and now they raise three beautiful children, Ayla, Addison, and Abigail. So welcome, Clay, glad to have you as our guest today.
1: Uh, So good to be with you this evening. Thanks for that nice introduction, Nova.
0: Absolutely, so let's start a little bit with some basics. I think when a lot of people think of Denali National Park, they think of just that, the national park. Mm-hmm. But we know that Denali is a borough that stretches from one end to another. Tell us a little bit about the geography of the borough itself. Oh,
1: thanks for that. I, I love geography. I've graduated with a degree in geography and my love of big mountains, you know, brought me here and love of wild country. And I fell in love with the area and started learning about it and the, the geography, the lay of the land um, and yeah. the. The borough itself and is is like emblematic of Alaska as a whole. It's just so big and vast. Uh, you know, it's a version of a county, right? In Alaska, we don't have counties, we do have boroughs. And um, so this Denali county, this Denali borough, it's the size of Maryland. And, you know, uh, the, the park itself, yeah, is vast, is over six million acres and have its wild country. Um, there's so much wild country of course inside the park outside the park i love our backyard here (laughs) it's it's not national parkland but it's beautiful wild country we get to we get to call home and um like alaska as a whole you know it doesn't have a lot of people um you know alaska's pretty lightly populated for how much room we have We love that elbow room here, and yeah, here in the Denali Borough, the size of Maryland, we have a total year-round population of about 2,000 people.
0: I think when a lot of visitors come, they're always so surprised that people winter here, and somehow the layout of Denali in general, you don't see people's personal homes, you don't realize that they're kind of off in the wilderness, up in the woods, just a stone's throw away from where they're actually driving down the road.
1: Yeah. Um, and and so many of us who, who come up to work for the summer do take off in the winter I did in my early years before you know settling in here and building a, a home and raising a family here um, and so, yeah, just two thousand people, you know, hardy souls who spend the winter here. But uh, there's so people... much more that happens in the summer, as you know.
0: Sure, a lot of people drive up and down George Parks Highway. That's how they're getting from Fair, or excuse me, from Anchorage down south up to Fairbanks up north. So when they're traveling that road, what exactly are is the perimeter of the?
1: Sure. Yeah, as you come up from Anchorage, you climb up out of the to so sit in a river valley. You come up into the high country, up into the high tundra of Broad Pass, and that's where you get that expansive open feel. And that's where the Denali Borough begins. That's our southern boundary there at Broad Pass. And then you come into our first small community, Cantwell. Great little community, you know, at some elevation near Treeline. And Cantwell's actually one of the highest in elevation communities in all of Alaska. Not many people live it at elevation here in Alaska, and it doesn't take much elevation to get uh, pretty cold, pretty severe weather. And Cantwell, Cantwell can be known for that, and a lot of snow in winter, a lot of wonderful snow there, and in Cantwell, great winter recreation in that area.
0: A lot of people come there to snowmobile, don't they? Bring yeah, their snow machines out there, and that's a popular sport in the winter time.
1: Very active. Uh, sometimes it seems like every other vehicle on the highway is somebody towing their snow machine. to to go play in that wonderful Cantwell snow, you bet.
0: Absolutely, and then as we head on north, we come right into Denali, Yeah,
1: into the Denali area, the McKinley Village, the little community just south of the park boundary, and um, you start to see some of those services of the visitor industry on the south side of the park, and then you do cross the the Nanana River into the National Park, and you're just on that eastern boundary of the park, And uh, boy, there's some wonderful hiking trails in that eastern entrance area uh, before you get to park headquarters, the park entrance area. And and that's where a lot of the, you know, the visitor center, the bus depot are all in that entrance area and great hiking trails. And then you go just north of there in back, back out of the park and back into private property, and that's where the main commercial district is. The, the Nanana Canyon, it's often referred to, where most of the hotel rooms and most of the, the visitor services are located in that somewhat constrained area surrounded by big mountains with the river cutting through it.
0: I know a lot of people will say, can you tell us where to find the downtown? And we'll giggle and say, well, we can tell you where to find the canyon. Or sometimes I think people nickname the old names Glitter Gulch. But I think we prefer the canyon. We do prefer the canyon. (laughs) So strike that, Josiah. Don't put Glitter Gulch in there.
1: (laughs) That's okay. People do, you know, it's it's not taboo. But, um, you know, I think the Nanana Canyon. I like that geographical name, right? Right. Yeah. And... um, and yeah, you go through that beautiful canyon, that river cut through that outer range. What a wonderful raft trip through there, and um, and the highway cutting through there. And then you come to our biggest community, which is Healy. That's about twelve miles north of the park entrance. And as I kind of said, that the Denali Borough is like Alaska as a whole. Like Alaska as a whole has a low population, and half the 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 Residents of the whole state live in one town Half of Alaskans live in Anchorage. Mm -hmm. Well, half of the borough residents live in one town in Healy you know, there are about a thousand people there in Healy and It's a good year-round community with with good employment um, with um, Well, gosh, you know the the borough office is there. That's where borough seat is and a great school there tri-valley school and the coal mine, uh, resource development, and power generation are important uh, employers there in, in Healy, have been for many, many years. You know, Nova, it's actually one of the reasons the rail line was built where it was, was to access those Nanana coal fields to bring energy to Fairbanks, and that coal still does power and heat the frigid interior of Alaska.
0: And the name of that coal mine, Usibelli Coal Mine, Usobele right? Usibelli
1: Coal Mine, Usobele. yeah. Yeah, family-owned coal mine.
0: How many years has that coal mine been there?
1: I want to say seventy-five. They just had a, a oh, a big anniversary! A big anniversary! A couple summers ago, through a great um, anniversary party, great community uh, opened up the mine, and get the kids, you know, getting to see the big equipment, and they always. Do it up up there for the kids, especially. They had bouncy houses galore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One of the first years I was up here as a seasonal worker, uh, I got the opportunity to actually tour the mine. I didn't, and I'm not even sure if they have that open to the public or if I was just lucky 20 years ago to do that. But it was fascinating to go through the mine itself to see the whole layout of the plant. And it was extremely educational. I'd never had an opportunity to do something like that before. And they seem like great contributors of the town. I know when tourists come through in the summer, they wanna know what do people do in the winter that live here? And you know, some of them are authors or artists or scientists that come into the park. But then there's also another, uh, there are businesses that are here that people can enjoy
1: you bet i'm glad you got a chance to to tour the mine Mm -hmm. um it is impressive they do a great job there and um you know their their history speaks volumes the fact that they have three and and fourth generation um employees um who tells you something about the you know the kind of place it is to work um and how they take care of their people and um and yeah they take care of their community you know they they contribute a lot in a lot of ways uh, to the community
0: you're a father of three mm-hmm. beautiful children i can attest to that personally tell me a little bit i'm sure people like to know about the schools that are here in the area that the students go to or what that population is like
1: sure thanks yeah we have three brick and mortar schools and and one remote school or virtu- or um you know virtual school and Cantwell has a. They're all K through 12 in the three different communities. Cantwell has a K through 12 school, and they typically have pretty low enrollment there. It's a pretty small community there. Um, anywhere from from 11 to 20, 22 kids in the K through 12 has been have been the numbers recently. They're they're kind of down around the 12 number,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and in Healy. Tri-Valley School is the biggest school in the district, and we do have our own school district here. The numbers there at Tri-Valley ranged from 165 to 185 in the past several years. Um, This year with with more online schooling and with COVID, you know, the numbers have, have changed a bit, but that's typically the enrollment there, some really quality teachers, and um some pretty good sports some pretty good basketball teams other teams hockey's big hockey's big in healy we've got a nice rank there as well and then our third school is in the northern part of the borough which we haven't talked about yet and that's up in anderson and the city of and in the city of anderson is the anderson school it's also k through 12 and it's enrollment is gosh i talked to a student who graduated there in the late 80s I talked to a woman who graduated there in the late 80s uh this weekend she said at that time her school anderson school had about 180 kids and they were state champions in basketball and um right now the enrollment there has declined due to the staffing at the air force base there we can talk about that a little bit too mm-hmm. um but the staffing changed there from from an Air Force model where the folks came and brought their families and lived there and went to school there too, National Guard model where they work 410s and most and those guardsmen can live anywhere, and a lot of them do live in Fairbanks or, or the Valley or even Healy and um, don't necessarily um, live in the city of Anderson. So, so the base there that is more important than ever and is, is absolutely thriving doesn't actually... Translate to a thriving nearby little town. Uh, Anderson, you know, population has declined a bit over the years. Um, but the school's doing well. Uh, they, they've got great teachers there too. And um, they've got about 20, 25 to 30 kids at the Anderson K through 12 school.
0: So the borough itself, further south is Cantwell, all the way north is Anderson. Is that yeah, right? Yeah,
1: and that reaches about 80 miles. Wow. About 80 miles. So You know, we kind of drew that comparison to the borough and Alaska as a whole. Alaska as a whole has has very few roadways, highways, access points. And, um, you know, here in the borough, we've got the main highway, the Parks Highway, going north-south through it. It's about 80 miles through the Denali borough. But you know what? It's not the longest road in the borough.
0: What's the longest road in the borough?
1: The longest road in the borough, glad you asked, (laughs) is the Denali Park Road. It's 92 miles.
0: Perfect. On out
1: to the another little borough community called Kantishna.
0: Talk a little bit about your early years here. You came as a bus driver and I think you did that for a number of years. That's what brought you to Denali originally, correct?
1: You bet you bet I came to drive that park road. I love that park road and it's in my blood because um, yeah I did it for over 20 years. I got to drive uh, I got to drive that road pretty much daily. For over 20, over 20 years, summers, but you get to see spring, summer, and fall. Even a little winter out there sometimes in that season. Um, so yeah, I came up, I was originally from, grew up in Maryland, and I worked two summers in Glacier Park, Montana, where I got to drive an historic rollback top 1937 vintage vehicle over this beautifully crafted stone walled road through the mountains called going to the sun highway. And I was enamored with the mountain scenery and the small communities there, the mountain towns, the, the, the freedoms of, of, of the country too, you know, and, and, and the values of the towns there in Montana. And when I graduated college with a degree in geography back in Maryland, I, I wanted to see bigger mountains and see even wilder spaces and, and yeah, I heard about these driving jobs in Denali. I heard they were kind of hard to get because people actually came back to them. <laughs> My second summer in Glacier, I was the experienced hand to train the, all the, the new drivers each year as we had a new crop each year. So, so I thought, wow, maybe that's a good thing people come back and I should uh, go, go see what that's all about. And I, I did hear good things about it. And yeah, uh, came up, you know, and when you, you drive here in Denali, they don't put you on the big road right away. That's what my, my first uh, boss said, you know. Steve Halloran hired me here and he said, yeah, Clay, no matter what experience you have there in Montana, you're gonna pay your dues here first and we'll start your driving courtesy and seeing if you can handle these buses and." this road because it's really no joke out there and you you'll take your time in terms of building up to driving across the big road and um i did just that i drove anything raft bus courtesy bus train transfers dog demos my first couple years and then you know we started that short tour called the denali his denali natural history tour called the shorter tour rather than the the big long trip all the way deep into the park and yeah, it was part of making that a real quality offering for folks who don't have quite as much time to see the to to spend an entire day inside the park. So um, I did I did those tours and then I then I did the the long tour, the Tundra Wilderness Tour for about 20 years.
0: <laughs> a lot of tourists will say, "Why do we drive a bus into the park?"
1: The road was not constructed for a high volume of traffic. And it didn't receive a high volume of traffic for many, many years. And um, this place is remote. Very difficult to get to. And very difficult to get a vehicle to. You could get here on the rail, but you didn't bring your vehicle. So for so many years, visitation to what was then called Mount McKinley National Park was not centered around the private vehicle. We did not have... A road to this national park. You couldn't drive here until 1959. That's when the Denali Highway was constructed. Now, that's a very demanding, um, long gravel journey to bring your private vehicle across the Denali Highway to get here in the 60s. Some people made that journey, not many. Again, most people came on the rail line. That was our access point. That was our connection to the outside world, the rail. And so we always had coaches. We always had a form of, call it mass transit, into the park. Well, when things changed dramatically in 1972, when the, when the George Parks Highway opened up, directly connecting the entrance of Mount McKinley National Park with Anchorage and Fairbanks, via a paved highway and a flood of private vehicles came here to have that experience park managers at that time said hold on this is a a wilderness park with a very demanding road that's not constructed to have a high volume of vehicles on it and um, they made the management decision at that time to restrict the number of private vehicles on the road and to implement a, a, tran, a, a transit system wherein a free ride into the park was offered on a bus and that started the the transit system in 1972 um, and we always had tours people were always looking for that tour experience to have it, that guided tour into the park so these days we have we have those transit buses when you're looking for simple transportation into the park. Maybe you're looking to go backpacking or hiking. And, when, and also um, tours are offered into the park as well. So it's very much part of the management plan of the park to manage the road itself and the number of vehicles on the road so that people can still have that that wilderness experience while also allowing for a high volume of visitation.
0: I will say the opportunity an individual has to drive their own private vehicle, I think it's roughly 12 miles to Savage, Mm -hmm. is a pleasant experience to be able to do that. But I personally, having been on the buses several times each season, always appreciate multiple eyes to be able to see the wildlife because so many are coming to see our big five. I appreciate the expertise of the bus drivers. They are well-educated, well-read. They have studied geography, botany, any of the type of sciences that they can comfortably expound on on the tours. And so many of the drivers, like yourself, drive so many years that they bring an experience that I would never get as an individual in my own car so I think sharing that with tourists and understanding that they are in safe knowledgeable hands driving into that park is the best experience they could get versus if they went on their own as well so I think that that's fascinating as a bus driver uh, what kind of fun stories do you recollect or Uh. Or what are some fond memories that you have just in general from driving?
1: A tremendous volume of, of fond memories from seeing the park on such a, uh, an intimate level, getting to know it that well, um, every, every bit of that park road and all that scenery along the way over that course of time. Um, and yeah, you know, I've been doing, um, I've been serving as the mayor now here for eight years. And so I I haven't driven for the past eight years, and and people do often ask me, you know, do you miss it? Do you miss it? Sure, yeah, I always miss uh, driving into that that incredible landscape every day. What what a great thing to be able to do. Although, you know, for example, today I spent a beautiful sunny day, you know, working in the office, working with state agencies and concerned citizens and, and, you know, tax issues and (laughs) local government um, role, which I I really enjoy. And I'd like to talk more about that too. But some, there are some days when I think in the afternoon, gosh, my other job, I'd be coming back across Polychrome right now. (laughs) You know, and, and at the end of the day of a good day out in the park, the whole bus cheers and you know you don't quite get that at the end of the day in the office. <laughs> don't quite get that energy. I miss that energy i miss my co- I miss my coworkers i mean I, it's such a great group of people um but yeah I, I keep in touch with them um but it, it's the people that you miss
0: sure, that's and that's what, obviously what yeah. has driven you into your current position yeah. right so talk about yeah. being the mayor of Denali
1: yeah, well, shoot it's an... It's an honor of a lifetime to be elected, you know, four times now, actually. I've been elected four times it's incredible. into this role, and um, it's certainly an honor and always a challenge. You know, the learning curve, that's one of the things I loved about driving in the park, the learning curve. You're always learning more. You're always seeing new things and, and and and, and, and yeah, new wildlife interactions, new weather phenomenon, new... Vegetation that you hadn't noticed before, and what is that flower, and and just underst- when you're trying to understand an entire complex ecosystem, you know there's such a, a great learning curve, and you know being the being the chief executive, which is a managing mayor, right? I'm not I'm not a solely a ceremonial mayor, but I also run the day to day operations of the borough, so it makes it more complex and as you interface with state and federal agencies and you're just always learning more and uh, that's one of the things i love about it. i'm constantly constantly growing in the role even after eight years
0: i wonder i i'd be curious how much interaction do you have with other mayors from say the lower 48s and how does mm. your position in alaska maybe have different needs or different demands or I imagine a lot of mayors from Lower 48 are curious about your geography. You know, what's it like to be the mayor of a borough in Alaska? Yeah. I don't know. You know.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, I can't say I've been to any uh, Lower 48 mayors' conferences. I have. I have been involved with an organization called the the National Association of Counties, and there are a lot of, and a lot of similarities with some of the Western states, and I do participate in the Western um, Region Caucus with the National Association of Counties. And there are fewer mayors involved and more county commissioners. Um, So I actually interface with county commissioners in the West um, on a more regular basis than I do with mayors. Now, Alaska is always unique, no matter what the subject (laughs) is. And certainly we are with local government you know in so many ways and start with the name you know we have to be we use a different name for our counties there boroughs and um i definitely have a closer relationship with other borough mayors in alaska our neighbors to the north the fairbanks north star borough our neighbors to the south the matsu borough Um, we do get together on occasion actually i'm hosting uh, a a few mayors um on a mayor's tour of the park, actually, later this month. The mayor of Nanana will be joining us, the mayor of the Fairbanks North Star Borough, the mayor of the city of Fairbanks, and the mayor of the city of North Pole. The five of us will be enjoying a day, um, enjoying the park and and, catch, and catching up personally and sharing, you know, um, challenges, successes, and just networking as, as regional mayors. But a great way to do it by Going into Denali National Park. Absolutely, so, that's a
0: VIP list for sure. Yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to that later <laughs> this month. And actually, I've been I've been pretty active with our state uh, municipal organization. It's called the Alaska Municipal League, and I've i served I serve on the board. I actually serve on the board of NACO and the Alaska Municipal League, and it's been really valuable serving on that statewide organization. Uh, learning uh, from the other municipalities, learning successes, challenges, networking, um, best practices. And I was honored to be elected president of the Alaska Municipal League a few years ago as a one-year term, serving as the past, and now I, I sit on the board as the past president. So that was that was another well honor. And, you know, I love representing Denali in on these state and federal levels.
0: I don't tell me some of the challenges of being the mayor in Denali
1: uh, challenges of being mayor in in a kind of small town borough really in terms of knowing everybody uh, you know one co-worker as we were driving down the road the other day and I was saying hi to some people say clay do you think you know you know pretty much everybody here <laughs> and I, I try to but I, I don't I don't know everybody but uh, you know it there are small communities and you can get to know a lot of people that way and and sometimes decisions that need to be made can adversely affect you know some people in some way or it just may not be popular with everybody of course any Mm -hmm. anybody in a public official role knows they're going to need to make decisions that aren't 100 percent agreed upon um so i like talking with those people in the in the grocery store and and discussing local issues anywhere anytime and i signed up for it you know mm-hmm. I, I definitely I, I said i'd do it and i'm happy to do it but uh you know there are times when you've got your family and you got things to do and you know Sarah, sarah's pretty um pretty used to and pretty good at giving me my space to talk local issues with whoever it might be at any time <laughs> No matter what the family's got to get going on.
0: <laughs> so that can be a
1: little challenge at times, but but I actually kind of enjoy it.
0: That's wonderful. So you originally came from Maryland. I think when you first began to live here, you said that you and Sarah had built a log home, or I think I read that somewhere together, and then eventually built your own home. Do I have that right?
1: We did buy raw land. Okay. And we did build from the ground up, literally and i did buy a little book on how to build a shed and i bought some tools and we started and then we built another shed to store the tools in and and then we built a cabin right a 16 by 16 dry cabin with the help of friends and learned along the way and it was a wonderful uh time in our lives living in the little cabin it really did have some amenities even though yeah we did have an outhouse to use and even in the depth of winter the cabin kept us nice and warm It's beautiful mountain view windows and cozy little cabin easy to heat has a lot of upside to that lifestyle which we enjoyed to a point where our Sarah was pregnant with our second child <laughs> <laughs> and we that was kind of our lot plan all along. We tucked the little cabin up in the a corner and we saved the nice building spot in the back for a future how, proper family home with water and all that. And so yeah um, well, that was the winter we built and we built it in one winter so i didn't do it all myself no i did hire a local great contractor and he and i worked together on on everything um and i i worked on the project with with our local contractor and we built it in one winter and the time um yeah addison was born and yeah, I remember my mom was coming in May to help, and, and yeah, we just were building the steps up to the up to the porch, and yeah, flush toilets and everything. It was it was pretty fancy, a big step up, and and of course it's the home where we, we filled in pretty well now with a third child, and and it's, it's it's been a great home for us, but it's not a log home actually. It's stick frame. Stick frame means, you know, stud walls, but it does have two by eight walls, so a lot of good insulative value there.
0: I think a lot of people are surprised that so many people here still live in a dry cabin, and yet there are so many perks to it. You talk about the comfort and the warmth and how it's situated on your land for the views, and I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that an outhouse is not as inconvenient as people who are used to flush toilets think yeah. it is. We certainly appreciate water in a different way. Mm-hmm. We uh, conserve water in a different way. There's also a lot of people that haul water. Talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, we a lot of people who raise families haul water and they're doing so with a couple hundred gallon tank on the back of their truck and sitting in the bed of their truck in which they're going to fill those you know, a couple hundred gallons, and then pump that into their holding tank in their house. And I know, you know a number of families who operate this way and, you know, they take showers and do the dishes and and yeah, they haul water somewhat regularly. Um,
0: I only bring that up because I can remember one of the first times I went to a friend's home. Mm-hmm. Everything about the home seemed like something I would have seen in the lower 48s or that I grew up on in. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, at some point, a conversation came up about how they hauled water, or when I took a shower to really conserve my water because it needed to be hauled. And it's, I, looking around the place, there was nothing that would ever make me think that it didn't have a well drilled. And that's, you know, that was the source. That was fascinating to me. And there's a lot of those kind of ideas that make Denali unique to an outsider that they have a lot of questions about, whether it's a home that has you know hauled water whether it is living in a dry cabin and really you still go to an outhouse and and yet it's it's part of the coziness of the community and I also think it has a lot to do with the strength of the community and conservation they mm-hmm. do an excellent job from you know hauling whatever you take in and taking out not really using water bottles, but using now genes uh, or some sort of water bottle along the way. But those conservation efforts that are very strong in the community as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's definitely a direct correlation when you haul <laughs> every drop of water <laughs> to, to a conservation <laughs> mindset. No question. No question. Yeah. and. We, in that little cabin, we were actually just hauling five-gallon jugs, as so we didn't have a big holding tank there, and um, we definitely were mindful of every of every drop. And um, you know, the, the benefits of having that outhouse—we saw the northern lights so much more when we lived with uh, when we had to go outside at night than you know living with an indoor flush toilet. But I'll never forget when I was standing in line at Lowe's with um, a plunger and I was absolutely giddy as I was putting the finishing touches on the things we needed for the house. It was, we're about, we're moving in and I was laughing to myself and the guy in front of me said, you just got running water, huh?
0: <laughs> I said, yeah, I need a plunger. This is great. Fabulous. Fabulous. Denali offers opportunities to make a difference. Share that with us a little bit. It's
1: incredible. It's a such an open, wide landscape in so many ways that you can paint your own tapestry. You know, you can you can mold your experience in your life to to, to your own um, plans. You know, um, I, I I grew up in. Uh, the Baltimore area actually of Maryland and and when I saw that you could get involved with your local government how they're thirsty for people to be engaged I thought what what an incredible opportunity to make a difference within your community that we have we have a lot of representation here we have a nine-person assembly we have a nine-person school board we have a nine person planning commission and we have 1800 people here and so we have we ask a lot of our citizens frankly by you know having such robust boards but um but it's it's such a great opportunity to contribute and some people have remarked that that's one of the reasons that we're such a healthy that we do so well as a borough really um that we have that there are those those people who serve who you know that you can go to and talk to about this issue it's not some some you know body that you'll never have any direct contact with like in a lot of governmental levels and situations Um, you'll see these you'll see your representative you know at the store and um so um it's it's really just a tremendous opportunity we are a home rule borough where where we really have strong powers to, to um, decide our, our own future. And so I encourage people to get involved, you know, wherever you are, at home or here, and you, you, there's just great opportunities to make a difference. And that's one of the things that I love about public service.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the economy of the borough.
1: Yeah, thanks. For, for, for remote Alaska we're really blessed to have something of a diversified economy it's not simply visitation to Denali National Park and administration of Denali National Park now that's certainly a large part of our local economy but it's really one leg of a three-legged stool the second leg I mentioned the Healy Coal mine and power generation, the resource aspect of our economy. We also have wind turbines up above Healy that generate 25 megawatts of power as well. There's a real a real power generators um, in the center part of the borough. And, and those are good wage jobs that provide a backbone to our economy. And the third uh, leg of our tripod is a military installation in the northern part of the borough called clear space force station it's the it's the only space force station in alaska it just changed from air force to space force and it's so fitting that it's so appropriate because that's what they're all about is space keeping an eye on the sky it was an early warning radar station you know constructed in the 60s and today it's more important than ever keeping an eye on such a big part of the globe, especially Korea and China and Russia, and, and um, they they just they just had the largest capital project in the history of Alaska conducted there, um, more expensive than the pipeline actually. Wow, a 1.2 billion dollar project of the latest greatest radar. The long, the long range discrimination radar constructed there on clear space force station the largest concrete pour in alaska's history to support that important piece of defense infrastructure so that's another leg of our local economy the what goes on out there at clear space force station they do a great job out there and it's important in our national defense so so really, you know for for again, for kind of rural Alaska, we have something of a robust economy. Now, granted, there's a lot of seasonality to it. Uh, I mentioned two thousand year rounders here, but as we know, you know, we do play host to gosh, uh, upwards of six hundred thousand visitors there've been in the past and'll we'll be there again for sure, and there's thousands of 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 seasonal employees needed to support. All that visitation, and so we we explode really in those summer months, uh, just as as this this land becomes so productive with all the incredible amount of sunshine, and it pro- explodes in productivity and and young of the year, and and um, and and just feeding 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 of those bears and moose all summer long, and. You could say the same for the people who are working hard getting those berries while they're available for some of them are gonna spend the winter here. Some of them are gonna adapt that winter strategy of hibernation while most will adopt that other strategy that most all the birds employ, and that's migration. So many of the seasonal employees will migrate out of here um and and find you know a little bit greener pastures through the severe winter winter is winter is cold and dark the rumors are true but it's also so beautiful that low winter light can can just create some of the most beautiful effects across this snow-covered landscape and and yeah we do kind of hunker down a little more those of us who who employ that hibernation strategy and um and we close in as a community close to one another and and supportive of one another and in so many ways and that's that's you know that's something that that we all cherish, um, and in many ways, it's it's what people miss when they when they spend a few winters here and leave. They miss the the tight knit community.
0: Definitely, a lot of camaraderie of people taking care of each other. Whether it's one person running to the grocery store and doing it for several several families around them, or transporting each other's children from many hours away for sports events (laughs) you know those kind of um pieces that you know well as a father and and uh you know supporter of sports in your family (laughs) it's crazy
1: what we do oh my gosh going to a volleyball tournament in valdez just driving 10 hours to the volleyball tournament 10 hours yeah through some pretty challenging conditions at times too but uh, create some great opportunities for these kids and, and we, we wouldn't, wouldn't miss it for the world.
0: Talk a little bit about, I think something I learned when I came up here was subsistence living.
1: Yeah, living off the land, picking those berries, uh, well, right now in August <laughs> and freezing those berries for the, for the winter. And, and uh, also this time of year, think about getting your fish. And for us, that does involve driving a ways from here the fishing's not great right here and the salmon don't run up into these high mountains so we do drive quite a ways to get our get our fish for the winter but it's a it's a big and fun family activity and um and then of course september uh is time to, to think about the meat and and putting a big animal away for the winter whether it's a caribou or a moose and, and so many of us are are fortunate and we know we're fortunate and blessed to have such healthy um, foods and and proteins in our freezers Um, and we really cherish that value that and share it with our guests and friends and you know we just had a couple barbecues the last couple weekends and (laughs) Love that Alaska surf and turf. (laughs) Get out out that salmon from the freezer. Get out that moose from the freezer and and put them all on the grill.
0: So if we had to have some advice from the mayor of Denali and we were a first time visitor here, what would be your advice to somebody visiting?
1: Well, I sometimes think of a, a, a quote. I'm pretty sure it's John Muir when he spoke of his time in alaska and he recommended to travelers his words to travelers was, if you're a, a man or a woman who's lived a good life and full life and you should come to alaska by all means and see its wonders its grandeur everything it has to offer it's an amazing land But if you're a young man, stay the hell away. (laughs) No place will ever compare. You'll be ruined.
0: (laughs) Whether that's John Muir or not, I think that's a perfect quote from Clay Walker. (laughs) Thanks for being our guest tonight, Clay.
1: My pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Best to
0: you. Denali 360 is a production of Denali 360, LLC. Interviews are edited by Josiah Robinson. Theme song written and recorded by Jonathan and Brooke East. I am your host, Nova Cunningham. For more information on Denali Park, Alaska, go to Denali360.com.